Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, welcome back, Brewer fans, to the Brew Crew Review Podcast. Uh, this is Craig, and joining me is Vincent Scott today. And baseball is back, boys. Yeah, finally. Good to good, good to have uh, baseball games actually being played today. I know that the start of spring training was uh, supposed to happen yesterday, as we taped this on a Sunday, but the Brewers were rained out in their first exhibition game. But in any event, baseball is here today. Uh, hey, guys, do we have chat on the set today or no? I'm sorry, what's that? Is chat on? Um, no. Not, not today. Okay. All right. Well, very busy man. I assume he's yeah. scouting somewhere for us on on assignment. Yeah. Okay. But always get really jacked up about looking at the first box scores of spring training. Even see some of the. I know the very first few weeks of spring training, especially have um, a lot of prospects, so to speak, and young players that get invited to camp, but kind of get only get playing time or a few at-bats here and there for the first couple of weeks of spring training are kind of cool to see. Um, I just saw Lewis, uh, or Lucas Irsig getting that bad, unfortunately, grounded out. But uh, anyway, um, players, you know, that normally don't get at-bats, so that's kind of cool. Um, but let's get right into it. Um, the big news that happened here for the Brewers the last week, and obviously David Stearns had a really busy – I think it was November and December where he signed a flurry of signings. Um, unfortunately, I saw some online, uh, some of the Brewers off season as the Brewers replaced, you know, it's Monty Grandel and Mike Moustakis with a grab bag of roster filler. Um, didn't really like that, but uh, I guess I can't argue that it's somewhat true. And uh, adding to that grab bag is a new signing this week. And that's super utility player, left-handed batting Brock Holt, formerly of the Boston Red Sox. Um, also, he came up, I think, through the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, farm system, got traded over as a throw-in in a trade uh, to the Red Sox and did very well for them, was a big fan favorite. He excelled even in the postseason for them. In fact, he's the only player in postseason history to hit for the cycle during the postseason. Um he can play pretty much any position on the diamond, almost besides catcher. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I think specifically the Brewers will be using him for third base, second base, and um, possibly some outfield play. But uh, for the most part, uh, he can even back up shortstop in the pinch. I don't know. It's pretty pretty exciting signing, and it's someone I know Scott even had on his radar earlier in the off season. So, what what is your take on this? Uh, me personally, I'm actually really excited about it. I mean, I know it's just a depth piece, but I mean, it, like you said, it's a left-handed bat. It has the, he has the MO of like versatility, which is obviously something that Stearns really, really looks for. Um, and the guy gets on base at a really good clip. So um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he's he, kind of think of like, um, Remember, like, uh, the, the super utility, like, the Bill Hall kind of thing, uh, the Bill Hall kind of role that that we had back in the day? Like, I don't think he's going to be as good as maybe Bill Hall was in his prime, but uh, still a good pick. And and it was cheap, too, right? Three mil? 
I think three and a half million for this year with a club option, which I think if he plays both two, it'll come to around eight million and there's some incentives built in there too. I mean it's a pretty good deal, plus what we paid for Eric Sogard. So Yeah. I I mean guys to just to chime in on the whole signing really quick, I I was having one of the interns look up our look up some numbers here. Hernan Perez uh, played in 91 games in 2019, 132 in 2018, 136 the year before that, uh, 123 the year before that, all as a guy who wasn't really slated to be a starter at any particular uh, position, but was our you know utility guy and, and a guy who could play several positions. I think that what we've done is really upgrade this spot, and I think Brock Holt is going to be playing in you know a similar number of games, uh, if not more than he did. Um, but again, slotting in at a few different positions, they can really be a more valuable guy uh, off the bench, especially late in games than than Hernan was for us over the last few seasons. Yeah, absolutely. The super utility role that Hernan Perez definitely filled for the Brewers for a number of years is quite alarming. When you're saying he played 130 plus games one season, I don't know how that happened or why that happened. But um, I think the main point is. Two seasons in a row, I guess this, Yeah, I mean, this offseason Stearns, rather than, you know, getting being on the line really quality, expensive players, per se, um, I guess the theme is kind of versatility and depth because um, that's what these players they've signed has really offered. Even a signing like Jed Jerko can play multiple infield positions. So, I mean, if we have an injury anywhere on the infield in particular, we're pretty much covered. Um, even in the outfield, we have plenty of depth. So, if nothing else, the Brewers are very safeguarded in some ways um, from injury. And also, we're also set up to very likely have some platoon situations, especially at first base, almost guaranteed at third base. Um, possibly some in the outfield, even when you're really talking about um, getting Braun and Avi Garcia not that bad. Um, so, um, I don't know, it'll be interesting, but yeah, there's definitely tons of flexibility now, and, and I think Brock Holt will bring that fan favorite uh, charisma that he's brought to the Boston Red Sox fans for a number of years uh, over to the Milwaukee Brewers, and I think he will be very well liked as a player. You guys think that this is going to affect the uh, the down roster, you know, construction a little bit with all these guys that we did bring in? Um, Craig, you mentioned a bunch of names, but, you know, now, now at their base, we've got a huge mix of guys. I mean, Eric Sogard, uh, Ryan Keeley, uh, who else do we bring in? Uh, Jed Jerko. Jed Jerko. Yeah, Luis Urias. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are kind of in that. I mean, I, I view Smoke as being our, our starting first baseman, but um, we do have a lot of guys that are going to compete for spots on the, the left side of the infield. So just want to get your guys' thoughts on that. Well, I think there's also some concern um, with the shortstop position and the fact that, um, you know, we obviously weren't comfortable entering the year with Orlando Arcia as our number one shortstop anymore. Uh, however, we did resign him. Um, and it's probably a good thing because our big acquisition um, in the Trent Grisham deal, Luis Gires, has suffered an injury and mo- most likely would not be ready to open the year on the Brewers roster as minor league options and some time to get healthy again. So I think the Brewers may be giving some playing time at shortstop to the likes of either 
um, Eric Sogard or even Brock Holt in these situations, especially against a right-hander rather than keep Orlando Arcia in there, uh, who, all, who bats right-handed. So that's a nice option to have to begin the season. And like I said, it, we just have this, you know, pulpery of platoon utility type guys all over the infield, especially at the corners. Um, so I guess hopefully someone steps up. I'm not a huge fan of having a platoon at so many positions. I'm usually okay with it, like at one or two positions, but it seems like we're taking a page out of the Tampa Bay Rays playbook and, you know, you know, playing the percentages, getting as many platoons in there as possible. And I think adding that 26 man to the 25 man rosters, I think allows this platoon um, situation to be possibly more prevalent going forward, not only with our organization, but possibly across baseball. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, I definitely think that, I mean, obviously adding the, um, the 26 man to the roster. So you get an extra guy. Um, you can only have what thirteen people. I think you told me thirteen. Uh, thirteen pitchers. So max, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of a lot of teams are going to do that, and then yeah, you're going to have thirteen people left for uh, for the remaining spots. And when you really look at it, I mean, I think it's a great way not only to like obviously get the depth that you need, um, but it's a great opportunity to, yeah, like platoon somebody. Like, remember even just a couple of years ago when, um, you know, we had Thames and Aguiar, I said a couple of years ago, when combined they were both so good, not last year, uh, combined they were both so good that um, it, you, would be, you were basically getting all-star caliber play from a platoon at first base. And it, this is an opportunity for, like, smaller markets to basically do just that. And so – um, to be able to do that and not have to like pony up tens of millions of dollars for a great hitter. Instead, you could just take somebody who really smashes lefties and somebody who really smashes righties and they're going to play, you know, and platoon it. it. It's a, it's a win for the, for the small market, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Scott. I mean, I think that the team like the Brewers or, you know, like we talked about Tampa is going to have to do stuff like this. It's, it's the way that you can keep some payroll flexibility for both deadline acquisitions and maybe starting pitching in the Brewers case, uh, hopefully uh, going forward at some point, one of these off seasons. So uh, maybe this is the value add, you know, and, and I think that, you know, David Stearns and his team are constantly looking for creative ways to address the roster construction. And um, I think that this is probably one of those ways. And again, I think that the 26th man is a, is a really big factor in all of this as well. Um, and that'll be a change we'll see across baseball, of course, in 2020. But I do think that it's going to affect um, or be used differently by a team like the Brewers or Tampa uh, or Oakland, maybe than a team like you know, Washington or New York uh, or something like that. So we don't know who's all going to make the 26-man roster yet. Obviously, the spring training has just started. But I think we have a pretty clear idea of who most likely will make the team. Um, with that being said, Third base, in my mind, still seems like somewhat unsettled, the most unsettled position, I guess, going into spring. So there'll be some position battles there. You know, with the saying of Ryan Healy, who plays for first and third, um, he really seems like someone that we need at third more than anything. And he's young enough and has enough talent to kind of possibly carve himself out a role as an everyday player. However, he also could go down to the minors um, as well. Um, because he does have options left. Um, most likely, I would guesstimate that the Brewers will open up the 2020 season with 
some form of a platoon with Chad Jerko hitting against lefties and either Brock Holt or Eric Sogar hitting exclusively against right-handers as they're both left-handed hitters. Um, if you guys had – so that's four guys I mentioned. I'll probably get that bat at their base for the Brewers uh, in 2020 at the very minimum. And that's, of course, Jerko, Holt, Sogard, and Healy. If you had to predict which – who will get the most at-bats of uh, those four players in order, what would be your prediction? <laughs> I'm waiting for Scott. That's too much work. How... <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work, Greg. Our, our interns are going to have to well, I guess, the numbers. And, I guess do you think it'll be Brock Holt or Eric Sogard, who is the, the – you know, obviously, whoever it's uh, left-handed is usually what's called the heavy side of the platoon, and that would be, you know, there's more right-handers pitchers in the league. So, usually the left-handed batter, far side of the platoon gets the majority of the bats because of that. So, in this sense, that either be Brock Holder, or Eric Sogar, the majority of the third base at bats, or possibly no. share those, and therefore yeah. <laughs> Jed Jerko would get more at bats than either of those guys individually, even though he's the short side of the platoon as a right-handed batter. Maybe Jed Jerko won't even make the team. Maybe Ryan Healy will. I, I, I guess it's just going to be somewhat of a battle. Um, Ryan Ryan Healy has some options left, though, right? So I have a feeling yeah. it's going to be Jerko, Sogar, yeah, and Holt. Not in that order. I, well, actually. Boy, that's tough. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead. I'll say Jerko will get the most at bats. This is barring any injury, just because of the platoon. I yeah, boy, yeah. I I think that Sogard and is gonna get a lot of at bats. I don't necessarily think that they're that they're all gonna come at third base. I think that he's gonna get a lot of at bats at, at second. I mean, he'll be the first guy probably called on if Hura needs a day off. Um, I really think the the one wild card in all of this is the injury to Urias. I I don't know how long, you know, our anonymous source Tom Carter is suspecting or told us that he would be out for. I know Scott, you talked to him uh, this week, but I tend to think that he's going to need at least a few weeks into the season um, before he comes back. Um, so I think that that kind of plays a, a role here as well. I know that he's you know slated to be the starting shortstop, but who knows how things are going to work out if Arcia gets a hot start. Um, it could really throw this whole, you know, at back counting into kind of a flux going forward as well. Yeah, I think Tom actually anonymously told me that if if he had a guess, he would say May first, but he said that might be a little conservative. So he thinks that he might he might be back earlier, but that that was the date he threw out just based on everything he's seen so far as far as his progress. So we'll see. So thanks, Tom, for that anonymous uh, you know prediction. Yep, really thanks, Carter. And Craig, to answer your question, I guess, I mean, if, yes, there's a million factors, like is Holt or Sogard going to play, is, are are one of them going to be like a defensive sub for Keston Hira at second, uh, if, you know, if we have the lead late or, you know, yeah, if uh, Urias isn't ready, if Arcia is not hitting, um, are we going to put Sogard at short even? I mean, there's a million factors, but to answer your question, because I, I want to answer it, just to answer it, I'll, I'll say Sogard will get uh, the majority of the at-bats at third. But there's so much in play that it, I'm not confident with it. Okay. Yeah, those are, makes a lot of sense. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and say Brock Holt will surprisingly get the most at-bats at third base, just because I have a feeling that 
Urias may spend a little bit more time getting the full health than what most fans are expecting, possibly the entire first month or more of the season. So I think, believe it or not, I almost think we're going to open 2020 with platoons at three different positions of the infield, which is kind of ridiculous. But I feel that at third base, we'll have a platoon of lefty-righty, Holt and Jerko, shortstop platoon of lefty-righty, Sogard and Arcia, and at first base, a pretty much straight-up platoon also of lefty-righty, Smoke, and Braun. So that kind of kicks the conversation over to the other side, the diamond. Um, I don't want to ask the exact same question, but it, you know, as far as third base and corner outfielder uh, position, it's going to be shared by basically that's two spots that have to be shared by Smoke, Braun, and Adi Garcia. Uh, two of those guys are brand new and one of the guys is a franchise icon. I kind of feel that Braun will somehow emerge from that mix with the most at bats somehow from first and the outfield, but I just don't know. I think it makes a ton of sense for Smoke, who is really a huge candidate to be platooned to only get at bats against right-handed pitchers at first base, obviously. So that takes away quite a lot of at bats from first from Braun. Uh, maybe Avi Garcia does not have a full slate of that bat this year. I don't know how that's going to work, but uh, what are your overall thoughts on you know what how that'll play out? I mean, I don't think we would have brought in Garcia to be a bench player. Um, and at this point in Braun's career, I think that he is best served by being a guy, you know, who comes off the bench. He can play multiple positions. He can play the outfield still, and he can play first base. Um, he can just be used as a pinch hitter late in game. So I tend to think because of Braun's age that he's going to get less at-bats maybe than you're projecting. Um, you know, Garcia, I think, was a bit of an investment both financially. He, he was given a two-year deal as well. I don't think he would have been brought in as a bench player. Yeah, I mean, for $10 million, that's an awful lot to have uh, ha- have him as, like, a, a part-time or even a platoon role. Like, I, I think that um, he'll, he'll likely get um, a, the lion's share of the at-bats, but – um, I mean, I guess this kind of circles back to like uh, having the 26 man on the roster. The, the other thing that you really notice is not only do you have the infield depth, but of course you have the outfield depth too. And a lot of teams are investing in like a really good fourth outfielder. I mean, when you look at it right now, basically Ryan Braun's our fourth outfielder. So. Yeah. And I, I guess that's what makes the Avi Garcia um, signing this off season um, kind of a head scratcher, even though, I will say that it could turn out to be our best uh, thing in the offseason. You just don't know, especially given his age still in his baseball prime. But with that being said, as it currently stands, I feel that out of those three hitters, Smoke, Garcia, and Braun, Braun, even at his age, is still the superior hitter of that trio. And that's why I feel that if he ends up being in third place as far as that bats goes out of that trio, I think that would be a mistake. If you look at Braun's numbers last year, he hit, you know, very well. He had a lot of clutch hits for us. He's a great veteran to have on the team. Obviously a franchise icon. He's been there a long time. Um, I think it's okay because he has also injury history to have that depth there. But I still feel that Council will get him a fair his fair share of that bat over the course of the season. I think, who knows, it might be something equal where all three of those guys gets around 400 at bats and, you know, with the time off and, with the only, you know, batting mostly against the same uh, side of pitch, pitching, or I mean, opposite side of pitching, um, maybe their numbers all will be benefited from it. So 
it's it's a pretty good situation, but uh, like I said, I expect Ron to still be a huge part of this team. Do you guys do you guys think that the new rule is limiting uh, or making sure that a relief pitcher stays in for at least three batters and thus kind of minimizing the loogie role um, that we had seen in past years? Do you think that that's going to mean a little bit more value for a right-handed, you know, bench player um, coming off the bench in the later innings? You know, you've got to – if you want to bring in a left-handed pitcher, you've got to – make him stay in there for, you know, several more batters uh, than, than he did in seasons past. I just wonder how that's going to affect things on the field too. Yeah. I mean, I think that it, it might lead to the header version of a loogie, so to speak. I mean, right. From right. right yeah. Left-hand exactly. side where you want to have your bench have an equal number of guys, probably left or right-handed hit, hitters so yep. that, you know, when a pitcher comes in to, you know, left-handed pitcher for, say, comes in and tries to get that uh that first uh, left-handed hitter out to start the inning but then all of a sudden you can bring in a couple of right-handers um as an option and he has to be forced in there to face him i think that might be a strategy going forward and maybe the brewers and team like the rays are trying to stay ahead of the game so to speak and set the trend on how that's going to be handled it's definitely an interesting question yeah, I definitely think that um, something like that could could definitely be prevalent, and I think that that is also uh, a big reason why. Like, obviously, we've invested a lot in the depth of our of our team this year. I mean, I really thought that um, two years ago uh, our depth was one of the best things about our team, and last year um, we really just didn't have much depth at all. We were kind of um, just we we just were not a deep team at all. And this year, I think our team is deeper than ever. And so it kind of reminds me of the team two years ago. And so to be able to have uh, somebody like that be able to come off the bench, and uh, not only that, but to me, um, with the way that this is is evolving, it kind of makes me want Josh Hader back in that sort of fireman role because um, I, I think that that's a scenario where you don't want you really want your best pitcher out there because they're going to be able to teams are going to be able to bring up a really good pinch hitter at those times now and so uh you know if you try to solve it with um uh, like you won't be able to solve it with a loogie but uh, if you throw somebody else out there uh they could get exploited by a bench bat and and i hope that that haters role does kind of go back as well it really depends on Corey Knabel you know and how he's progressed and i guess Bobby Wall to a certain degree um, also, you know, to kind of shore up the back end of that bullpen. But it seems like we're still waiting to really get a, a readout on where these guys are at and their injury recoveries as well. I, I think that there was uh, one report that said the wall was going to hopefully be ready for opening day, but I haven't seen too much verifying that from our colleague Tom Wondercourt. Um, so I don't know if you guys have heard anything on that, but to your point, Scott, I think that, that that's kind of the key to getting Hader in that proper positioning uh, in the bullpen. Well, and Craig was saying too that Ray Black was uh, striking a lot of people out today too. So that's definitely a good sign. Yeah. I, I'd oh, throw him in the mix. Yeah. Definitely. He's a power pitcher. Uh, doesn't have any options left, though. I, I do think he's going to make the opening day roster. Um, I'd be shocked if he didn't, to be honest, without any options remaining. He was the, some would argue, the centerpiece in the trade for Mauricio Dubon last year. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I think he could certainly be in the mix. Yeah, I think I think with these new rules, having an overall strong bullpen is going to be more important than ever. I think the Brewers will benefit from that because I think they have one still one of the better bullpens in baseball, especially with Knable 
who, once again, if fans aren't aware, most likely will be missing at least the first month of the season before he's back to full strength. Um, but hopefully he can start contributing on the level that he has in the past, beginning of, even in May. But again, coming back from surgery, that's not always going to be given. So we'll see. Uh, one, one last topic I want to get here today, guys. There's a couple other you know rumors here as the spring training battles happen. But the council, the manager of the Brewers, of course, has, has come out and said that a couple of people are going to stay in, uh, you know, trying to find roles, at least for starters here. And um, talking about some of the pitchers, and he basically said Brent Suter, who, of course, did some starting pitching for us uh, both the last two years, but also the bullpen really effectively last year, will stay in a bullpen role. So that's another valuable lefty to kind of throw back out in a bullpen. Uh, and then a couple of young pitchers that had up and down years, uh, well, mostly down for Corbin Burns, but um, Freddy Peralta and Corbin Burns will enter spring training stretch out uh, as starting pitchers. And I know Peralta pitched somewhat out of bullpen last year, and of course Burns even did, and not not effectively well. But um, you know, I think that uh, that just gives us a little more rotation depth, and also puts some pressure on the guys that supposedly will enter camp as our starting five. That uh, their jobs aren't necessarily guaranteed. And I honestly think Peralta and Burns have more talent than anyone in our rotation, uh, other than Brandon Woodruff, to be quite honest. So. That's kind of encouraging from my point of view to hear counsel say that those guys are still to get an opportunity to possibly start at some point um, during the 2020 season and going forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, happy that Peralta is getting that opportunity. Um, I, I'm not sure yet what, if I think he, he would be a, a better starter or reliever. Corbin Burns though, I don't know. Like I, I know he has, uh, a good repertoire of pitches, but um, man, with that slider, like, I don't know. I mean, it, he just got hammered so bad last year that like, I don't know that I trust him as a starter or a reliever. I don't even know what's best for him anymore. So, um, I mean, I guess ultimately if they think that, um, you know, that at least three of his four pitches are at least average, then I guess that's fine. I know he has a plus plus slider, but after that, um, he can't rely on being a two-pitch pitcher because when people gear up for that fastball, man, they're hitting it. So, um, yeah, it, it's worth a shot. I mean, um, I obviously don't want to give up on him after last year, so it, it's not a bad option. We we talked about Corbin Burns on this show quite a bit last season as, as the season progressed, and I think we were all in agreement that Corbin's struggles were, you know, mental, not physical. So I, I guess it really depends on – you know, what he's done to address that. I don't think that you just physically lose your stuff at, you know, 24 or however old he is. Um, so I, I don't think it's that. I know that there was talk that he had gone down to the Brewers, quote-unquote, secret, you know, pitching laboratory and try to get his head right this offseason. And uh, it sounds like he certainly put in the work, and, and uh, I'm certainly pulling for him. But I do think that he, he's been given a, you know, number of opportunities, both in the – Bullpen and the starter. I, I think that it's really going to um, be interesting to see how he adapts this season and, and whether or not he is able to make these adjustments mentally that are going to allow him to be a successful big leaguer again, like he was uh, back in 2018. But he's a he's way too big of a question mark at this point for me to have any faith in him uh, or being able to rely on him. And I I, I hope that I'm wrong, but um, I just think that it's a it's a huge leap at this point. No, I agree with Vince that um, it's basically put up our shut-up time for their MLB careers right now for both Peralta and 
Burns, I think Freddie will be, you know, will be on our 26-man roster going into the season, so he really has proven himself at the major league level. Carbon Burns will probably, I mean, even if he's lights out in spring training, I think he'll still probably start the year at AAA, but if he pitches well there uh, in a very much hitter's environment, I think he'll definitely be the first one, you know, to be called up if due to injury or, or in, ineffectiveness in the rotation. So, um, but again, if they don't make it now, I mean, it's either now or never for those guys that are kind of at a crossroads of their career, especially Burns. I, I would, I feel that if he's going to prove himself to be a major leaguer, now's the time to do it. The word is that they both had great off seasons. Um, probably brought the pitch in the Dominican winter league. And I read that he had a 1.38 ERA in 20 innings pitch struck out 38 batters and he incorporated a slider more heavily than he has in the past and supposedly it's been very effective so pretty excited to see that pitch into the mix because really he's really relied too much on his fastball as a starter and that you know therefore made him more of a bullpen candidate so if he can mix with pitchers well you know we'll see what happens so and Burns is basically just got to start from scratch almost and you know build his reputation back up and I think he's got the talent to do it so we'll see Burns has one of the best sliders in the league I think that's why we talk about him so much because we've seen like the we've seen when he's on like he's he's a devastating bullpen pitcher and so I I know that we're all rooting for him but um the other guy that we kind of talked about maybe a little bit more than we uh than probably we should have last year was um Taylor Williams, who also fell from grace. And uh, that's the other part of that uh, Brock Holt signing. So, yeah, unfortunately, um, we uh, designated him for assignment and the Mariners snapped him up. So, good luck, Taylor Williams. Yeah, wishing him luck. I I don't know that Taylor's ever going to be anything more than an average, you know, major league pitcher out of the uh, the bullpen at best. Uh, It's not to say it couldn't happen, but. I don't think that the Brewers are going to regret losing him all too much. Um, but, yeah, best of luck to Taylor in, in Seattle. And uh, it was a bit surprising because I think that Williams had one option remaining. Um, so I, I was a little surprised that he was the guy that was DFA'd. But, uh, you know, Stearns may have seen that he had sort of reached his potential at this point and wanted to, you know, take a look or a longer look at, at some of the other pitchers that we currently have on the roster. Well, it's so hard for young guys um, like Jacob Barnes and Taylor Williams to, um, you know, were starters when they, you know, coming up to the minors, but then got switched to a bullpen role to really break into to um, MLB bullpen because it's so competitive. There's so many guys, so many veterans out there that could sign on with a team at any time. And really, assigning like David Phelps, like the Brewers, may kind of probably push Taylor Williams out of the picture, unfortunately. And he's still young enough that uh, he could still catch on and take off on our team so we gotta wish him well but kind of was sad to see that he was the one that had to go but um we'll see well and he's he's 28 but he's like kind of a young 28 like his arm is a lot younger than that because he's had so many injuries but um i don't know i I remember last year when um canable went down i thought taylor williams was eventually going to be the guy to solidify the closers role and unfortunately i couldn't have been more wrong but um, I guess that just goes to show, like, how much uh, I really believed in, in Taylor Williams and his stuff. Um, so, hope he, hope he gets it together in Seattle. Yeah, speaking of spring training, I think it was, like, three or four spring trains ago, 
right when he was coming back from injury that Ryan Braun was said, had some kind of quote where he was super impressed with Taylor Williams and his arsenal during spring training, and so that got me excited about him. But fortunately, you know, there's ups and downs of pitching at the major league level. These are all professional hitters that have lots of experience up here, and it's very difficult, and that just shows. But I'm lucky to catch on with another team, and I wish him well, especially now he's in the American League. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, hey guys, right, do we have well, any uh, viewer? Do we have any uh, viewer? Uh, call? Oh, I was going to say, do we have any viewer email or emails or questions on Twitter, Scott? Um, I don't know. I guess I could try to look. Do we yeah, ask the for any? Check on that for us. Have you have any interesting polls up there on Twitter this week that you wanted to get in there, Scott? <laughs> um, you know what? Actually, I did. Um, I put them up last week, and so hang on, I'm gonna have to scroll through it. So you're just gonna have to tell me your favorite, um, um, your favorite thing to eat at a baseball stadium. While I look, favorite <laughs> thing to eat at a baseball stadium. That's your that's your go-to uh, thought on baseball games, I believe. Scott. It's my default but, setting. Um, yeah. Are you asking us? I mean, or are you going to ask the yep. viewers? No. Well, I can't ask them. So yeah, I'll ask you. Guys. Well, you could. You could. I no, could. I'm just a hot dog and nacho kind of guy. I'm I'm pretty simple. Hot dog and nacho. Actually, I think I yeah, asked the nah. fans a couple weeks ago, and I think the fans said bratwurst all the way. All right, but Craig. All right, Craig. Yeah, more of a helmet nacho guy. But oh yeah, the cactus league, the cactus league nachos, those are solid. Yeah. Um. Okay. Awesome. So, so here's what I got anyway. Um. I guess eighty eighty eight percent of the Brewer fans thought that the Brock Holt signing was a good one. So pretty pretty good consensus there. And then um, I'd asked the week before actually. Um, which new Brewer hitter would have the best uh, season? And the fans spoke, and they said um, Evazel Garcia at 49%, then Justin Smoke at 35 then Luis Urias at 12%, and then at a poultry 3%, uh, Eric Sogard. So I was a little bit surprised by that. I thought, like, the nerd power would – I know he's a fan favorite, but – um, and he had a really good year last year too, but I think people just remember um, maybe the Eric Sogard of, uh, what was it, 2018 with us. So I, I guess, I don't know. Um, they definitely did not have faith in that. And then um, which newly acquired Brewer pitcher will have the best season? Um, overwhelmingly, Josh Lindblom at 54%. And then um, a bit of a surprise, Eric Lauer at 21%. Uh, Brett Anderson at fifteen percent, and David Phelps at eleven. So, um, yeah, thank you guys so much. Scott, I will. Um, Scott, yeah, I will ahead. point out that uh, that uh, our intern who posted those did get criticized for not including Omar Narvaez in which new uh, player might be might put up the best hitting statistics this season as one of the options. Yeah, I could see that. I blame Twitter for – I mean, write-in votes are always accepted, but, um, you know, Twitter only lets you do four options, which I thought is pretty stupid. But, you know, I mean, they're a fairly new uh, social media platform, so maybe they'll get their act together eventually. Yeah, we'll find an intern one of these days. <laughs> the Brewers have so many great signings that there's not – I guess they'll all fit in one poll. they got to understand that. 
Yeah, it's really difficult. So yeah, obviously we want you guys to participate. Tell your friends, give us five-star reviews, tell them to listen, it'll be great. Um, at Brew Crew Review 1 is uh, Twitter. That's probably the best way to do it. But um, you know, you can find us around on YouTube and Facebook to a much, much lesser extent. So yeah, or shoot in questions it. on Gmail at, at uh, Brew Crew Review Podcast with an S at gmail.com is our uh, email. Yeah, there's pretty much like a thousand ways to, to reach us. Um, and we check them all monthly. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't know anybody else got anything to talk about we got about oh oh well actually no we have about a, a minute so all right no it was, it was great thanks guys go brewers all right yeah, let's hope we need one about a month baseball. away yep sounds good guys go brewers go brewers thanks, go brewers Ted. thanks tc yep All right, we made it. Oh, it all came together. Yeah, it all it's all here under one roof. 